Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey! This is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we normally talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters and break it down whether we thought it was good or bad and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. But on this bonus episode, we're going to be looking back at the last year in movies. And we'll each be listing our five favorites from 2019. And, you know, I'll say off the bat that you and I, we haven't seen everything. I mean, there's no way to see everything. And there's a couple movies on my list that I know you haven't had a chance yet to see and one that you flat out refuse to see. It's true. And, um, you know, I don't feel like my list is complete until I see 1917. That's the war movie from Sam Mendes. When is that? That's supposed to come out in January, like six, right? Like in like another week. Yeah, it's like okay. li- it's limited right now. But these are our five favorites as it stands right now. And so, yeah, before we get into it, you know, just generally was was this a good year in movies? Would you say? I would say actually the first half of the year was actually pretty good. The second half really was a bomb. Like, well, what in the first half was working for you? I mean, you had Good Boys. That was not in the first half. oh alita alita yeah alita's fun alita was in the first half yeah wild rose yeah wild rose yeah usually you get some strong movies uh, kind of at the tail end of the year just kind of like cramming it in for oscar consideration yeah for the holidays too when everybody is not at work or at school and they're actually at home and have extra time to go to the movies right I think, you know, on this on the big studio side of things, it was, you know, pretty uninspiring year. But well, yeah, because there was a lot of superhero movies. Sure. That came Superheroes out this and year. sequels, yeah, your Star Wars. You know, on the indie side, things are more interesting. You know, also indie and now Netflix. Yep. Netflix is uh, throwing some heavy hitters into the game. And yeah, if you're just looking at what's in the multiplex week to week, it, it ain't great. <laughs> But if you look a little a little deeper than that, you'll find some interesting things. And most of the things that I enjoyed this year were usually smaller movies, um, n- not the big budget stuff, not not stuff from major studios. But thankfully, interesting movies are still getting made. So why don't we just get right into it, into our top five? Do you want to kick it off with your number five? My number five would probably be Jumanji. <laughs> Jumanji, the next level. Yes. <laughs> That's your number five. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. What I mean, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. I know. Oh, my God. I absolutely adored this movie. I love Jack Black. I love the actors. I just had a good old time. It's fun. It's, yeah. I mean, you can't. It, there's, there's nothing bad to say about it other than, like, you know, it's a sequel. I know, but and love a reboot. But I don't care. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's a fun comedy. It can works. I can I say my number six though? Because my number six is Wild Rose. Wild Rose just barely made the cut. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake of the show, you couldn't just like bump Wild Rose up. No. So yeah, why why don't you talk about your number six? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do six. Okay. <laughs> that was an indie film. And it was just a good time. It was about a struggling mom whose passion is is music and singing country music and played by her, Jesse Jesse Buckley. Yeah, and her journey and being a mother that maybe didn't take her responsibilities of having a kid to heart, and then at the end, she really embraces being a mom. 
Well, yeah. At the beginning, she's just she's focused on herself and on her career. Yep. You know, she wants to make it in Nashville as yep. a country singer. And she's like, what, like Welsh, British? Yeah, she's in Scotland, Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. And yeah, it's a great movie. And Jesse Buckley gives, well, she gives one of the best performances of the year, yeah. I would say. Absolutely. And it's not a widely known film. No, I, I mean, it didn't get a lot of play. More people, yeah, I wish more people you know, had seen it and, you know, we're talking about it. Yeah. Because she gives a great performance. People are talking about Lupita Nyong'o and us as far as awards. And, you know, no one's really talking about Jesse Buckley. And she gives such a, such a rock solid. Just authentic. Exactly. Raw. Very authentic authentic dramatic performance yeah. and she sings her, her own yes. music there yes. she's great yeah this is a yeah. real pleasant discovery i think to anyone who finds it yeah okay and so your number five is jumanji my number five is, is jumanji is that, as you said the next level right oh my god love it <laughs> my my number five is uncut gems this is a movie I saw just a few days ago, but it just kind of instantly shot into my top five because this is just a wild, gritty, unpredictable character study, you know, the kind that you don't really see anymore. And it gives Adam Sandler easily his best role in over a decade. He's given a great dramatic performance here. And he plays a New York jewelry dealer who is running multiple hustles at any given time. And he's also a compulsive gambling addict. And his personal life is a complete disaster because he just, he gambles with other people's money. Oh. So it's not going to be for everyone. This movie, it's kind of polarizing. Sandler's character, he's obnoxious. He's kind of loathsome. He cheats on his wife. But that's to me, that's part of what gives this movie kind of its riveting tension. It's, it's just the bad decisions that he makes. Yeah. It's like, what is this bad decision going to lead to? Yeah. And Sandler completely nails his character. And so that's Uncut Gems, and that's my number five. Yay. What's your number four? Fighting with my family. Okay. Yeah, this is a comedy that came out earlier this year. Yes. This one has Florence Pugh. Yes. Good, good great breakout I mean, role for Florence Pugh. just a great breakout role for her. I mean, yeah. she was amazing. I really just enjoyed this movie. I mean, it was fun. You know, I, I guess this year I just needed to laugh. Because yeah. a lot of my top, five top six or there are, are comedies it's funny it tells a, a true story yep it's pretty just kind of just broadly entertaining it's an easy to watch good time and a really good breakout showcase for florence Pugh. she plays a wrestler right yep but she nails like the physical authenticity yeah of this does. female wrestler yeah and I mean, we just saw her in Little Women, you know, I where know. she's, you know, wearing like Victorian dresses. And this is a, a talented actress. She's very, very good. This is a talented actress. Uh, you didn't see her in uh, Midsummer, uh, the horror film from Ari Aster, which came out o- over the summer. She was the lead. That, she was the best thing in that. That's a movie that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> but she's the lead in that, and she's she's by far the best thing going on in that movie. Yeah. I mean, that's a two and a half hour. The nightmare. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, if you want more Florence Pugh, there is that. She was in three major films this year. So she's having a, a good year and she's in Black Widow next year. Okay, so my number four is Joker. This was probably the most unlikely blockbuster of 2019. This is a bleak as hell character drama that's disguised as a comic book movie. I think director Todd Phillips built a really strong showcase for one of our greatest actors, 
Joaquin is finally given a global platform to show people what he can do. And the result was the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Ten years ago, Todd Phillips, he made the highest grossing comedy of all time with The Hangover. And now he's breaking records again, ten years later. And he did it by taking risks. Yeah. Whether you love this guy's films or not, his success comes from taking legitimate creative risks that have paid off big. If the comic book movie genre is going to survive, it needs to evolve. And this movie is a great example and kind of a best case scenario for how that can happen. Uh, so that's that's Joker. That's my number four. Well, that's in my top my top ten um, for the year. You know, for me, it was a great movie. It's a, I mean, Joaquin. Is, I, I feel it's all like about the, Joaquin. It's all about Joaquin. I feel like he's going to win the Oscar. I he's, feel he's like getting, he's acting. I mean, this he's is next level. I think he lost like fifty two pounds in this movie. Like he, I mean, really took it to that next. He, I mean, yeah, I, level I, on when it comes to I mean, he's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, the hell out of yes. that. It's, it's really I was, great. I was literally just gonna say that. Yeah, um, that's that's the level he's on here. <laughs> and you know, I, I just felt for me it was a little too dark. It's very dark. It's uncompromising. Even though it it is a great movie. It's uncompromisingly bleak, and that's why it was risky. Yeah, and that's why I mean, not even the studio, even though it is, it's called Joker. It's got this famous comic book villain. Even the studio, they're like, you know, we sell, you know, underwear at Target with the Joker on it. Can we, can we do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how they make their decisions. So, I mean, Todd Phillips, he had to, like, pitch it twice to try and get this made. And I, yeah, I, I respect the risk-taking and the passion and well, the commitment. It wasn't, it wasn't a good, like, it, it didn't have a happy ending. Hell no. Like, it, it's it, a story of the Joker. I know. Like, there's no happy ending in this movie, so... So what um, what was your number three? Yeah. Alita. Nice. Alita Battle Angel. Yes. It's a fun one. I mean, amazing visual effects. The story was awesome. It had a female hero who is an unknown as well. Rosa Salazar. Yeah, she gives a great lead performance here. This is another great breakthrough performance. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I felt like it was a very underrated movie, and I don't think a lot of people liked it. When we talk about original sci-fi, I mean, like original big budget sci-fi. I can't think of any other movie that would fit the bill this year other than Alita. So yeah. it's that in and of itself, it's become kind of a rarefied genre. Yeah. And it takes a, a filmmaker like James Cameron, who is on board here as a producer, he wrote this. It takes a guy like that to get an original movie made at this scale. Yeah. I wish we saw more of them, but this one turns out, it turned out pretty solid, yeah. I, I would say. It ends on kind of a cliffhanger. It sets up more stories that I don't know if we're going to see. Well, it's because it, I mean, it's frustrating. It, it is frustrating because I, I feel like a lot of people probably people were I don't waiting. Know, probably thought it was you know maybe a little cartoony. Like, and then you I'll know, tell you what, I'll tell you what what happened. People were waiting for Captain Marvel. I mean, that, that's what happened. People were Ugh. were waiting for Captain Marvel. That's the movie that made a billion dollars. Alita, you know, made half that. And so yeah, Alita. Alita's profitability is kind of in question. I mean, it has some fans. There's definitely some hardcore fans. But it was definitely well done. I mean, really well done. Yeah. First, first, you know, movie to be shot pretty much 100% on green screen. Sure. Yeah. Shot in studios in front of a green screen. It it was just fabulously acted. You know, I like uh, Christoph. Christoph Waltz. Yes. I love him. I just, I'm really, a, you know, a huge fan. I think it's, yeah, of the, like, big budget popcorn movies made this year, it's probably my favorite. Yeah. 
I don't know what that's saying, though, because there weren't a lot of great ones. I know. <laughs> it's it's I kind know. of a grave graveyard for popcorn movies. And so what about you? So my number three is a film called Parasite. I would be shocked if this didn't win the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. This movie, it's uh, from South Korea's Bong Joon-ho, who's been making really great, really original movies, kind of genre-bending movies for a while now. And this is probably his greatest achievement. You have a lower-income family who basically infiltrate the lives of an upper-class family. And I don't want to reveal any more than that to spoil it. But the way this film twists itself and evolves from one genre into another kept me glued completely to my seat. I mean, this is a movie you cannot predict from one scene to the next. Every 30 or so minutes, this film is going to throw you a major curveball. And it's just quite a ride that it takes you on all the way through to the end. This is a, an achievement. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of dramatic weight in the thematics, but it, just, it also just works as a straight-up thriller. Because there are some intense, surprising moments in this movie, and I recommend it to anyone. It, you know, and I understand if you have like a resistance to you know foreign language, you know subtitles. subtitles. Sure, I understand that. But this movie will hook you in. Give this movie fifteen minutes, and you're gonna be like, okay, where is this going? Give it like you know thirty minutes to an hour, and you're gonna be like, like what the hell is happening? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's my number three. Parasite. Oh, awesome. Okay. So my number two is Good Boys. Is the comedy? The comedy get... with the little kids running around and causing shenanigans and getting into mischief. Produced by Seth Rogen. Oh, my God. Like yeah. I was laughing from beginning to end. I just loved it. Yeah, this is the best comedy of the year, yeah. I would say. It's not even nominated for a Golden Globe, is it? <laughs> Golden Globes aren't going to nominate Good no, Boys. No, what the, the, the hell? Golden Globes have nominated like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in Hollywood as yeah. a comedy. I mean, when that girl gets her face slammed twenty times, I'm laughing, right? <laughs> oh my god! When Bruce Lee gets his ass kicked, I'm yeah. I'm laughing hysterically. I mean, I, I just can't believe Good Boys missed the cut at the Golden Globes. It's not the type of film that's gonna. No, win I know, award. but. <laughs> But thankfully, it did well. I, I mean, it, you know, it found its audience. This is a, the type of comedy you want to see in a theater yeah. with a uh, lot of people yeah. just laughing. I mean, I remember when you and I saw it, it, you know, we were missing jokes because people were, were laughing so hard from the previous joke. Yeah. There aren't a lot of good comedies. And the like boys that. brought it. I mean, they, they the had fun boys. with it. The beanbag boys. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Jacob Tremblay could have brought good boys to the Oscars. Just or like Tim, spread Tim, some of that Timothy Oscar. Chalamet. <laughs> Good Boys 2 with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's the grown-up, like... Yeah, he's one of the kids grown-up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're bringing the ideas. My number two is a movie called Crawl. Imagine that you're trapped inside a flooded house. Hell no. During a massive hurricane. Hell no. And the rising water has allowed several alligators to crawl into the basement. And you're stuck in this house with the rising water and the hungry alligators. How are you going to survive? That's basically what this movie is. And if that premise sounds like fun to you, this movie exploits it to its maximum potential. So why would I have a killer gator movie this high on my list? <laughs> because this movie 100% nails everything it's trying to do. It's 87 minutes long, and it is solely focused on giving you a white-knuckle, pants-shitting thrill ride. Sometimes you just want a stylish, well-crafted genre film with no pretenses. 
This is probably the best time I had in an actual theater this year. And it's the one movie from 2019 that I've seen more times than any other film. It's just, it's so rewatchable. It nails everything. I refuse to watch this film, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason being is I lived in Florida for, you know. The movie takes place in Florida. 30 years or so. And I, I've, you know, backyard and gators. I've saw gators eat dogs. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Like, I've seen it already in so real life. The terror is too real for it's you. It's too real. So you're admitting this is a pretty plausible scenario. Yeah. Even though it seems crazy. Yeah. It's actually kind of plausible. No. Yeah. No. It was. Awesome. I, I refused to watch it. Gators just really scared the bejeebies out of me. I'm still working you down. No, on you're not. Seeing this. You're you're not. You're not gonna even you're try. Close. I I mean the whole <laughs> and and you know, I lived in Florida too. I was around beaches. I was maybe an hour from each side of the ocean, and I do not like the ocean because I saw Jaws when I was too young to really This isn't like, the ocean. Understand. This is in a house. I don't care. Okay. No. Gators and sharks scare the bejeebies out of me. Sorry. And maybe it's just something that you can't see coming up and getting your feet first. This is probably why I hide my feet when I'm sleeping. I don't like people messing with my feet when I can't see it. <laughs> well, yeah, this movie, I mean, it, it'll make you jump out of your seat yeah. with uh, with the scares. But yeah, for me, it's just, it's perfectly calibrated. You know, there's just enough gore to kind of keep you on edge but not too much score to you, you know turn you off or make you want to puke. Yeah, I mean you got two really solid performances, uh, you know, with Barry Pepper and you know the lead Kea Scodelario. <laughs> Kea Scodelario, uh, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. But they're okay. both. She and Barry Pepper are both really great. This movie is just pared down to its absolute minimum, and every element shines. So that's my number two, and that's Crawl. I, I can't believe you put that at, at like. I love, at that's how good top. it is. You can't believe it. You haven't seen it. No. First, oh you got to see it. Oh my God. Quentin Tarantino it. loves it. No. So. Okay. Now we're at number one. Number one. My number one is Ford versus Ferrari. Good pick. I know. That <laughs> was my favorite. I really love the pairing of Christian Bale and Matt Damon and. It's a true story. It's a true story. And, I mean, just the, the characters. I mean, Christian Bale really brought it. It shines a light on kind of an unknown figure in racing history. Yeah. And it's, yeah, a really compelling story. I, I just enjoyed it. I mean, it was a good drama. It was original. The actors are bringing it. And James Mangold behind the camera, he's really bringing it. I mean, like, it's a, it's a really, really good movie. Really good with the stock cars and with the racing. and Yeah. He's bringing a lot, like, his action from Logan. He's bringing yeah. his action filmmaking chops yeah. to this story. And it looks great. This is definitely my top top 20. For, yeah. For sure. I like this movie a lot. And I, I'm surprised it didn't do better. I mean, it did. I mean, it's done some business. But this was an expensive drama. And uh, audiences are more into, like, Knives Out. Like, that's the movie that's pulling in the adults, I guess. Well, because I think people are, are you know... It's, it's lighter, I guess. Well, but they're getting their real-life dramas now on Netflix. And they're not getting movies like Knives Out on Netflix or, like, Ready or Not. Yeah, give me Ready or Not over Knives Out. Uh, okay. And what's your number one? My number one is The Irishman. Oh, there you go. So my favorite movie of the year is one that I didn't even see in theaters. It's a Netflix film. 
I've seen a lot of my favorite filmmakers turn in some of their worst movies at Netflix because there's clearly not much creative oversight going on there. And I used to think a Netflix original movie was a joke. <laughs> but uh, that changed last year with Roma from yeah. Alfonso Cuaron. And I figured any company that would invest in a movie like Roma is at least doing something partially right. And The Irishman, I mean, this was a very anticipated, hyped up title. And to me, it's such a relief that it did not disappoint. This is a top flight Scorsese picture. I yeah. mean, it's three and a half hours long. I mean, it's a long ass movie. Well, I'll give him that. Like, it's it's long, but it, holy it's crap. It's a lot of movie. You're getting a whole lot of movie here. But Scorsese's command, it's as strong as ever. And I feel like this thing flies by and it's paced really well and it's brimming with detail. And you have three legendary actors giving their best performances in decades. I mean, Joe Pesci came out of retirement. Oh, my God. Yeah. To give one of his best performances yeah. ever. The, I mean, this is a passion project from yeah. Scorsese and he could only get it made at Netflix. But we got cats in theaters. You know, Charlie's Angels, The Sixth Terminator, these all get wide releases. But, you know, Scorsese's gangster epic, his passion project, you know, cost like $150 million. Who knows? It goes to home streaming. Yeah. <laughs> it plays at a few art house but, theaters. But say it's why. Because there was a reason behind it, right? Like they were a week or two off from... The, Apparently the Netflix going to streaming. Netflix and, you know, I think some of the major chains had negotiations and it comes down to Windows because Windows is like the the amount of time that theaters have exclusivity on a title before it goes to home video, right? Streaming and Blu-ray and theaters demand a certain amount of time. I think usually like 75 days yeah. before it can hit streaming. I mean, most movies don't last longer than a month. <laughs> That's that's normally how it goes. But theaters demand 75 days before you put it on other venues. That's how they protect their business. You know, Netflix is not in the theatrical exhibition business. I mean, we know that, right? I mean, they're in the business of, you know, making content and delivering it straight to their subscribers. But, you know, for Scorsese and a movie like this, I think they tried to reach a compromise. I think Netflix would have gone to like 30 days, but theaters wanted, you know, something like 45 or 60. It was a short, like like a two-week window <laughs> in which they couldn't compromise. And so it just broke down. And so instead of getting a like a decent, wide, normal release with marketing and all that, it just kind of was like shout out into some four-walled uh, art house theater. <laughs> yeah. Like here in Atlanta, a major market, it was playing in one theater like 30 miles away that I never heard of. <laughs> and so, you know, when Netflix does that, the decision is easy. It's like, well, I'm going to wait a it, week yeah. until it's on streaming. On Netflix, yeah. But, you know, if you give it a proper release you know, that 75-day window or, you know, 50 days, whatever you can negotiate, then I'm going to make the trip to the theater because I know that's the best way to see it. And for a movie like this, people should have had the option because it's not like you're shortchanging Scorsese. You're shortchanging movie fans. You're shortchanging the audience. 
Yeah, I would have loved a chance to see my you know my favorite movie of the year in a theater. <laughs> this is, and you've seen it. You know, it's not I your have, it's, it's not your favorite movie, but I think you it's agree. It's in my top ten. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, it wasn't in your top five. No, but it's in my top ten. But you probably agree it's something that is worthy of being on the big screen and worthy of like a decent release. Yeah, it would have been fun to see it in in theaters. Like you have to take just, a pee break. I'm yeah. sure. Maybe oh get a little intermission or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's a long sit. I mean, Tarantino pulled that off, so Scorsese could do it. <laughs> and so yeah, that's that's why The Irishman is my number one picture of the year. Uh, pretty much every other major filmmaker that I've loved has let me down in some other way, except Scorsese. And you know, he's got like Marvel fanboys like pissed at him because you know he's not <laughs> he's not a fan of the Marvel movies. Like who yeah. who even cares? I like that he kind of kicked off this conversation of our Marvel movie cinema. And if that ruffles some feathers, I mean, maybe consider the fact that they're not. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just... They're just... They're fun amusement park well, rides. They're, they're movies based off of demographic and your market. They're not based off of anything that's interesting. They're designed to do one specific yeah. thing, and, and that's it, and that's okay. But what Scorsese's fighting for is just more of a balance of personal stories mixed in with that stuff. Yeah, if nothing else, this guy's a champion of, of cinema and of the movies, and he's one of the greats, and this is one of his great films. Yeah. So, okay, so we've talked about our, our favorites. Yeah. Anything stand out to you as, like, maybe one of the worst things you've seen this year? Or um, maybe, like, something that's let you down, like a big disappointment, something you were I looking mean, forward to? I mean, I guess to? the big disappointment would be Little Women. Sure. Um, that was uh, my biggest disappointment yeah there's been Gre- many. Greta Gerwig's yeah there's there's been there's been many there's been <laughs> many Frozen 2 was a letdown sure I wasn't expecting much from that but yeah I barely even remember that a month later I mean I you love the first love the so first you are you, I mean but sequels right I know it's hard to do a sequel to comedies and it's hard to do a sequel to an animated film Charlie's Angels I mean sure, I guess I wasn't it. expecting much of that but that was a big <laughs> Big old turkey. <laughs> oh, you know what? Last Christmas was probably the biggest letdown for me because I absolutely love Christmas movies. You know this. You're looking forward to it. And I and I love Daenerys Targaryen. Amelia Clark. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> love her. I think yeah. she's she's a little feisty. When Paul Feig has delivered yeah. before Bridesmaids. Yeah. yeah, he's delivered. I thought like I was look I was looking forward to this movie and then it turns out to be a just a turd bucket. A little <laughs> <laughs> turd bucket on fire. <laughs> a flaming turd bucket. <laughs> that that's probably my most disappointing for the year. Yeah, that was it's a nutty, nutty movie. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention Dark Phoenix. I thought you were going to... Th- that would have been Oh, your... I completely forgot about Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yes, for good reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a bad one. You know, I would ha- I would throw Captain Marvel into there as... Yeah, but a... you're not... I, I, wouldn't th- I wouldn't say that's the worst movie of the year. It's Well, uh, to me, it's the worst Marvel movie that I've seen. And so, to me, that makes it a pretty big disappointment. You're right. Captain Marvel was... To me, that was the... Yeah, their worst. Just yeah. the laziest that they've been. I think my personal biggest disappointment was Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yours was. Yeah. I remember you looking forward to that. I'm a ride or die Quentin Tarantino fan. He's never let me down until this year. Until this movie. Until this summer. (laughs) Holy hell. And I gave it a rewatch. I gave it a rewatch with, you know, kind of expectations put in check. And I liked it even less. 
So, yeah. you know, it's... Oh, I'm, I'm jealous of people who love it because yeah. a lot of people love it. You see it on like, you know, best of the year, best of the decade. I've seen it on a lot of these best of the decade. Smart people claim to love this movie. And I, yeah, I've, uh, like I've I seen said, it twice. Are, are they watching I, the same movie that I am? To me, it's, it's clearly his, his work, like his emptiest movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's, it is what it is. You know, it's 2019. We're heading into a, a new year, a new decade. Looking back over the last 10 years, you know, a- any other movies stick out with you? Yes. What do you got? Actually, I have quite a few. Sure. Um, over the past <laughs> decade. And, I, you know. Yeah. But my first one that I absolutely adored was A Star is Born. That's number one. That's number one okay. on my list. It's like, a good one. Yeah. I love Lady Gaga. She brought it for me. Shallow. Bradley Cooper knocked it oh out. Oh, my of the God. Park. Like, Sam Worthington or whatever his name is, like Sam Worthington. <laughs> no, Sam. Sam Shepard, the old guy, the brother. No, not Sam. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sorry, both getting wrong. <laughs> we, we're horrible. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam Elliott. Yeah, he's great. Very well cast. Yeah, very authentic feeling. I can only watch that movie a certain number of times because it's, it's very draining. emotional. It's very draining. It's just. But, oh, my God, so well done. That's great. And way to go, Bradley Cooper. His debut as a director, and he's singing. A a home run for him uh, across the board. And my second is The Greatest Showman. I, <laughs> you you rewatch that a whole lot. A whole lot. Good music. I, oh There's my some good God. music there. It's just, I, I love it. It's just a feel-good, pick-me-up. I remember sitting down to watch it, not expecting much, and kind of instantly the music was way better than what I was expecting, and the movie in general was a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I mean, cheesy, a little cheesy. It's a little cheesy. Sure, a little cheesy. Everybody needs a little (laughs) cheese in their life. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) you know, the other movies that I've gone is obviously The Social Network. Yeah, that's a great one. Attack the Block. Good choice. Black Panther, Descendants. The Des- the Alexander Payne movie. Yes. Starring George Clooney, yeah. Yeah. Coco. Great Pixar film. Um, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. Grand Budapest Hotel. Wes Hidden Anderson. Figures and Logan. Good picks. Yeah. Very good picks. Yeah. Yeah, Social Network, yeah, that would definitely be on like my top five. Also, my top five would be Wolf of Wall Street. And Wolf of Wall Street was a little vulgar for me. Loved it. <laughs> Scorsese's made so many great films this decade. I mean, he made Hugo. That's one of your favorites of his. It is one of my favorites, yeah. Hugo But my favorite Scorsese film of the decade would have to be Wolf Wall Street. But for me, like, the two at the very top, like, the pinnacle, and one kind of represents, like, the pinnacle of big studio filmmaking, and the other is kind of represents the best of the independent side of filmmaking. And, you know, on the studio side would be Mad Max, Fury Road. yeah. I mean, that is... An that was a good one. That is like... I mean, that's film school right there. <laughs> that is... I mean, that it's film... It's two-hour two film school is is what you got. And it is just the, the sheer production quality and I, what they're able to pull off. I guh, guess the reason why it, it wasn't on my list is because I, it's not original. And so, like... I, I hear you. I, I didn't... But it feels so original. Even though it is a franchise extension... That's been around since you know the eighties. It, it, it plays very original. There's so many original details in there. I mean, Charlize Theron's character 
Imperator Furiosa. Well, yeah, I mean, I love her. I mean, and just that whole storyline with her. I got a Funko her. Pop of her, and she's one of my heroines on my desk at work. Her storyline, you know, trying to yeah. escape and leading those women out. That's that feels original, doesn't it? Yeah. There's so many original elements to it. It's not even really Max's story. It's really it's really Furiosa's sure, yeah. story. Yeah. But it's so it's so amazing. I mean, it's so rewatchable. Action scenes that will blow your mind. And um, so on the indie side would be Boyhood, Richard Linklater's film. It took yeah. him 12 years to film it. Uh, that's probably the hardest I've cried in a theater. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just remember um, just being overwhelmed by the end of that film and just how personal it felt to me. And, you know, I mean, it might, that might be a movie that, you know, guys, it resonates more with guys than girls, which totally makes sense. But yeah, for me, it's it, it just it, it hit the closest to home, and it felt like I was watching my memories play out on a movie screen. Yeah. It's a lot of how so much of that felt. Huge accomplishment for Richard Linklater to pull that off. They didn't even win Best Picture. Give yeah, it to, give it to Birdman. Yeah, well, that that is, <laughs> Birdman didn't even make my I. I I like Birdman. It's, I wouldn't call it a classic. No. I like I like Birdman for Michael Keaton. Yeah. But it's yeah. I'm surprised you didn't put Shape of Water on your list. I mean, that would be on maybe like a top 100 of the decade. I haven't even rewatched that since theaters. I need yeah. to give that a rewatch. No, I would put like Social Network and Wolf of Wall Street. Logan would be in my top 10. Logan is a great yeah. comic book movie. Um, I mean, the type of comic book movies you want to see more of. And okay, so I guess looking forward to 2020 ahead, we got some things coming. I'll tell you. One reason to be thankful, there are no Avengers or Star Wars movies coming in 2020. Holler! But there that alone be... has me very, very optimistic. But there'll be two Pixar movies, right? There's going to be two Pixar movies. One of them coming out soon is yeah. Onward with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, my God. I, I'm, yeah, that's... I'm on board for any Pixar movie. And they have another one in the summer called Soul. Yeah. Two original Pixar movies. So going in strong with yeah. that. Just in a couple of weeks, we got Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. You, I, you know, for me. I don't I'm... know how excited I should be for this. <laughs> I feel like if I get too excited, I'll get disappointed. Yeah. But, I mean, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence doing their thing. It's It's got to be entertaining. It's because Michael Bay did, what, Six Underground? He's, he's doing Netflix. He's doing I mean, Netflix. We're, we're seeing yes. big budget original Michael Bay movies now are going to Netflix. It's a crazy time. But Cats, Cats is still playing in wide release. So get your tickets now. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so you have the Pixar movies. Uh, you have a new James Bond film. Looking forward to that? Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, James Bond's not really my thing. I mean, it's good fun, but I prefer the Bourne movies. I prefer Mission Impossible movies. Ooh, I'm looking forward to seeing Top Gun. Top Gun. There you go. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Definitely. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I'm hoping that he brings it like he did the first one. I think. What is it called? Maverick? It's called Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I don't know if I was asking for a follow-up to Top Gun, but so far what I've seen looks promising. Yeah. And again, like you said, if Tom Cruise is bringing it and we have a, a... a good story we're telling. I'm I'm down to go back in, into that world. There's a sequel to Wonder Woman. Excited for that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> that's gonna be one of the biggest movies of the year. I, I guarantee. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna go see it. But sure, that's good. That's like just, the one guaranteed hit. I don't know how they're gonna bring Chris Payne back, but we'll see. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. 
so bad with names, people. I mean, they'll come up with some stupid reason. So they'll figure it out. Yeah. Time, sh- time machine. <laughs> so that I think there's there's some reason to be hopeful for next year. I think. I mean, we're gonna get plenty of you know <laughs> comic book movies and sequels. You know, as, as per usual. But um, I think there's enough to be optimistic about. I'm yeah. optimistic, you know, and whatever the theaters don't provide, Netflix will fill in the gaps. Well, yeah, there's a couple <laughs> of Netflix movies that were really good. I mean, Two Popes was great. Sure. Um, Mar- Marriage Story. Netflix. I need to see Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Th- that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Netflix has really, this was a tipping point, uh, I think, in terms of how quality movies can be delivered. Yep. And the weekend that The Irishman went into limited release, I mean, we're talking like five theaters, most people couldn't see it unless you took a drive to New York. Yeah, or California. (laughs) But you could see Terminator 6 (laughs) anywhere you wanted. You know, you could see Charlie's Angels reboot (laughs) thousands of screens across the country. So I feel like, yeah, there was a real tipping point this year. And I feel like theaters lost. Like in terms of the the fight for like at home viewing versus theatrical, all theaters theaters, are is just the place to watch your franchises. Well, yeah, from my perspective, movie theaters are. I mean, unless they come up with something innovative, they're going to go out out of business, and they're going to become obsolete. Like drive-in movie theaters are going to be. You would think the innovative thing would be quality films. Get some quality films in there. It's all about the quality. Theater. It's the studio. I mean, well, that's part of the studios. Yeah, I mean, number one, studio heads. Like, if you if you have 160 million to spend, or do I do it to the six Terminator movie, or do I give it to Martin Scorsese's gangster epic? Yeah. I mean, make the smart play. Like well, one of these movies is going to have a and, life, and the theaters are coming up with these these things. You know, now you can buy alcohol. Either you know, they Reclining really want to make it. You know, Dolby. You know, they're they're coming a lot up with all these and things, but then it gets more expensive. And then and then you price yourself out. I had a colleague of mine spending $150. And what did he say? For for a um I probably saw some shit. It was it was one of the I think it was Jumanji, to okay. be honest. <laughs> Your favorite movie. I know. But she <laughs> spent crazy. $150 for a family of 5. Yeah. Like yeah. that's stupid. Well, that's not a cheap night out anymore when it gets that expensive it puts extra pressure on the movies to be good yeah like you spend that much money you want at least at very least a good satisfying experience and you know as you and i discuss week to week so many movies are not that <laughs> it's i mean yeah there's some movies where it's like thank you for sparing me a trip you know and there are other ones where it's like i wish i at least had the option because you know our like Do- dolby theaters you know showing charlie's angels <laughs> But it's not showing the Irishman. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I would have loved to see the Irishman in a like a great big Dolby theater. That would have been a treat. Instead, I'm watching on my couch with my two barking dogs <laughs> and my, my loud neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I mean, uh, those are the conditions I watched it under. And a movie like The Irishman deserves the best presentation. I mean, people should at least have the option to watch it in that. There you go. If you're going to invest that much money in the movie, and then just kind of just stop short and just kind of dump it onto like digital streaming. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Like you spend that much money making the movie. Don't you want to present it in the best possible format for as long as you can? It, yeah. just, it feels like they shortchange it. There, there's many people like myself that would prefer to watch movies at home. On all, our big all movies, all movies. 
on our big screen. If you had you your way, you can pause it. I can, I can pause it. Go to the bathroom. If you had your way, you would never go to the theater. No. The hell are we doing this show for? I'm just kidding. It's like a it's like a like a date. Like you want to make the best impression possible, the best first impression that you can, and that's how I look at movies. Like you haven't seen a movie yet, you've seen it for the first time. You want to see it in the best format possible. And see if this is a relationship that can work out. <laughs> is this going to be a long-term relationship? There you go. Or a short-term? Yeah. That's the best of 2019. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DNMoviePodcast. And you can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.